We will come to Luke and Rachel in just a second, but uh, if you have just come in, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Oh, it's just like getting into a nice warm bath at the end of a long day of skiing that I never do. Isn't it? This is just so good. It's so good to be in the house. Let me read you some scripture to you. Welcome if you are watching online. Thank you for joining us. And uh, why don't we give everybody online a cheer so they know that we're not faking it, that there are people here. Amen. That's so good. I was, uh, I was praying this morning, and um, I'm going to make a couple of announcements. This isn't my, in my message this morning. But I was praying this morning, and as part of my normal uh, Bible reading plan, this was the scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider them of o- the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I have formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. I really felt that this day was that day, that new day, that the day that we, we can look back to where we have come 16 months ago, and we can say thank you for that, but I, I believe that from this day forward, this is a new thing. And the Lord is saying that he will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give us drinks. We are his chosen people and uh, the people who he has formed for himself, that they may declare my praise. And so I just want to start by praying a thanksgiving prayer that God, even though we look back and we think this was, those were good times, the South is just stepping in for reasons I'm going to share in a few minutes into new days. And they are different days. But we're believing that God has gone ahead of us and uh, he knows the way forward. And we're excited to see what he's going to do. And I'm very excited we had to put extra chairs out on our first Sunday back. So uh, that, is, that is brilliant and wonderful. Let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that you have not finished with your church. That this church and the whole of the church, Lord, is your beautiful bride. And Lord, I'm thankful that, Lord, you love us as such. That, Lord, that this is a new day. That, Lord, that you have said that we should not consider the former things and anchor into those. That, Lord, we're to look forward to a new thing. And that it's going to spring forth now, your word says. And so, Lord, we're believing in that, we're praying into that, we're meditating on that. Lord, we're excited to see what you are going to do with your church in this new day. And so, Lord, we pray now as we step into the next few minutes of hearing your word and just sharing some family news, that, Lord, that you would be very much forefront in our mind, that, Jesus, you would be king of our minds, that, Lord, you would be king of our spirits, and and that, Lord, we would center ourselves upon you that, Lord, you are worthy of all our praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Before I turn to the word, there are a couple of things that I just want to share briefly with you. As you have already seen, um, Luke and Rachel, why don't you come up? This is Luke and Rachel. Let's give them a big round of applause. So uh, Luke and Rachel are getting married in how many days, Luke? Is he right, Rach? 54 days they're getting married. Uh, The weekend before, John is getting married. Big news for John this week that he made the Olympic team. That's amazing. Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah. And I get to officiate at that wedding the week after. I get to attend my son and future daughter-in-law's wedding as well. But that's not the reason that I'm bringing them up this, this morning. As you've already seen in an email that I sent out this week, and then you saw on the video, Luke is now the apprentice pastor at 33, which means that he is going to be working directly with Pastor Phil. This is a really exciting opportunity for him. And as you know, if you've been coming to the South for any length of time, you'll know that Luke has been faithfully serving this house. And, uh, and obviously, those of you who don't know, if you are new, he's my son. So uh, this, is, um, this is good. Now I'm going to cry on screen. That's perfect. Um, (laughs) My wife, that's normally my wife's job. And so 
I'm thankful to be able to take her place this morning. But uh, he has been interning, he's been faithful, he's preached, he's led worship. Rachel is an amazing partner in all that as well. Um, but we, we want to pray for you. We want to send you. Now, that doesn't mean to say we're never going to see him again. Um, at least that's what I'm being told, that we will see you probably about once a month. Um, but his role now is he's going to be working. We believe in apprenticeship, and we believe that Jesus has called us to be apprentices of him. And it was my experience to apprentice with a pastor for seven years in my early 20s. And it was still a time that I refer back to and I'm grateful for. And so Phil has seen a, uh, the hand of God on Luke's life. He's actually had more interviews, we think, than the lead pastor role um, in that he's met with Phil several times. He's met with Phil and the associates. He's met with Phil plus elders, and they've all recognized the call of God in his life. And as you might guess, I have been completely removed from it because the son of the executive pastor and also the future son-in-law of the chair of the board... We had to make sure that the process was really clean and well thought through while also recognizing the gifting that he has on his life. And so it's a two-year program. And so at the end of the first year and the end of the second year, he will be assessed again. He'll also be credentialed with the MB and he'll also be furthering his education because he's just about to finish his business degree, or at least that's what he's telling us. (laughs) No, we believe you. Um, And so we're we're excited for him. And I want to thank you. Because many of you have been part of Luke's life for almost 11 years, and you've encouraged us as a family. I look around those of you who have been here since the beginning or near the beginning, and it really is parenting by village. And I'm grateful for the way that so many of you have actually spent time with him. I look at Dave and Brad and Lyndon and many more who have actually sat down and spent time with him, encouraging him, and, uh, and I'm grateful to you for that as well. And please don't stop that. Um, but uh, we're excited for you both. And, and we do need to pray for them both <laughs> because, you know, it's, ministry is all-encompassing. And uh, So would you pray with me? We'll just maybe, maybe reach your hands out to Luke and Rachel. Father, this is a, in one sense, if I confess, this is a sad day, and yet mixed, Lord, with tremendous joy. This is my son. And Father, it's been a privilege that you would allow us as parents and us as a church to be able to stand with him and see him develop in the way that, Lord, truly he has grown in stature and favor. And, Lord, we're grateful for the hand of God that is upon him. But, Lord, I pray that this would just be the beginning of something amazing in his life. Anoint him, Lord, from the head to the toe. Anoint him, Lord, just like you said in your word that you rushed upon David, that your spirit would rush upon this young man. The Lord, he would do great exploits. The Lord, he would see further than I have ever seen, that you would stand on the shoulders of this church and see vision and dream dreams. That, Lord, that thousands of people would come to know you because of this guy's ministry. That, Lord, there would be healing. There would be pastoral care. That, Lord, you would truly fill him with your spirit in ways, Lord, that we can only just touch now in our mind and our imagination. Lord, let him have a deep love for you, first of all. We're thankful for him. We bless him with everything that we have, Lord. We bless him, and we send him with our blessing. Fill him, Lord, with your powerful, powerful spirit now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we pray for Rachel. Lord, we love this young lady. We're thankful, Lord, that you have brought her into our lives as a family. But, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as a unit, as they minister together, as they partner together in the gospel, that, Lord, in future years, and, Lord, we pray even in the immediate, that, God, that they would see much blessing on the ministry that you put before them, that, Lord, they would truly know new days like we have just read. Lord, days of blessing. That, Father, I pray you protect them. That, Lord, that you would fill them together. That, Lord, that they would know your presence in their new house, in their new family. And that, God, that they would be so strong together. Protect them, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. So grateful, so thankful. 
In your precious and good name, Jesus, we give you all the glory. Amen. 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 I can hug you because I'm in your circles. (laughs) Bless you. You can uh, all hug them vicariously. Bless you, mate. I might have cried again. Okay. Oh, Luke, do you want to say something? He preached last week. Did a great job. There you go, mate. Hmm. Um, this church has meant the world to me for 10 years. It's been, we've been here for 10 years and, and when I look back and I think of all the opportunities I've been given that I just haven't deserved, it's, it's amazing. And I've been so grateful for like every one of you guys to, to bless me and to encourage me to help stir up the gifts that I've been given and, and every word of encouragement that I ever get. I know guys like Jerry, every single time I speak, you encourage me. John, you always help me. Dave, you give me a lot of advice. <laughs> and help. That's not a bad thing. It's not less than. Dave, that's a beautiful thing. Just all you guys, Lyndon, all the mentoring he's done for me, and just every single one of you that I can't name, Brad, this is amazing. And so as I spend more time at 33, I'm praying for you guys, and I see. I love you guys. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me, all you've done for Rach and I. And, and uh, yeah, I appreciate your prayers. appreciate just reaching out and texting. And, and uh, yeah, I know I'll, I'll see you guys at least once a month. So, yeah, thank you very much. I don't need a tissue. There are lines that have been drawn. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, um, can I, have I left my bottle of water down there somewhere? If this is your first time, then we have, you have chosen, thank you, babe, you have chosen a fantastic Sunday to join us, and uh, we're grateful that you have chosen to come out, and you'll find Connect cards, I hope and assume, are in your pockets in the seat that's in front of you. If you fill that out, you get a gift bag and give it into the Connect desk. And I believe we've got journals. We've got the Galatians journal in there. That's just as a thank you for coming out, but also it enables us to keep in contact with you and keep you up to date with all the exciting things that are happening in the life of Willow Park Church. So thank you again. Fill that out, and uh, we'd, love to, uh, we'd love to get to know you. Okay, let's turn to the Word of God. Um, this is a message that is still very much part of our Power Up series, where we've been working through uh, the uh, studying the theology and the practice of the Holy Spirit, recognizing Him as who He is, a person in the Trinity, and all that He brings, all that He focuses on, all that He brings to our life. We've talked about being filled with the Spirit and what that means. We've talked about regeneration and how He is part of um, of our changing and conversion. Uh, We've looked at him through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and really what this week is focusing on is a subject that really isn't spoken about too much, and uh, and I'm excited to share it with you. Um, But first, I want to talk about a certain beautiful part of our history in in Britain, which is uh, the so-called Iron Ring of Castles in Wales. This particular castle is in Conway. This is about, was 25 minutes away from Sarah and I, uh, where we used to live, and, uh, and I worked about 15 minutes away from this castle. Uh, this castle was built by Charles I in 1283 as part of a whole system of castles around Wales, basically to try and destroy the Welsh. The English were uh, invaded, and Charles I was very passionate about making sure that that invasion stayed robust and strong. It took four and a half years to build at the cost of $25,000. So basically, it's like a modern-day bathroom renovation, isn't it? Four and a half 
four and a half years, uh, especially in Kelowna, all the best with finding contractors to do that. Charles I can throw these things up in a matter of minutes. Uh, it's an amazing castle because of the way that it has been positioned is very, very uh, powerful. And, and it's, it's really designed where it's just almost impossible to get into it. So this is Conway. You can still walk around these walls. Along here is a fantastic fish and chip shop. I'm pretty sure that was started in the medieval times as well. Um, You've got two Barbicans, um, which are basically very, very strong parts of the castle where if you try to invade and try, if you manage to get through to the Barbicans, then you would be in serious trouble there. There'd be all sorts of like oil, hot oil and arrows and rocks and anything. Welsh people, whatever they could just throw at you, they would. This is the finest example of medieval military um, castle in Europe. It's an amazing place. If you ever get the chance to go and visit, then I highly recommend you do so. This is the entrance, and this is where you go through the portcullis, and then there's the inner and outer ward. This castle was a castle I used to visit every year with a group of grade six uh, children when I was a teacher. And uh, each year we would hire somebody, a guy, to take us around it. It's amazing how quickly these places get not old in reality, but old in mentality. It's just like, okay, fine. Let's go to the castle again. And I know this is hard for being in Canada. Imagine this because as tourists, this is amazing. But when you live there, it's like, it's, you know, it's like visiting Scandia. It's like, really? We really have to? Okay, fine. We'll, we'll go again. And so these kids are rampaging around the place, destroying stuff and, you know, really testing its strength. One year I said to my teaching partner, look, let's save ourselves some money and not bother with the guide. I'll do it. I'll do it. It was the best year because I just made up stuff all the way around it. They, these kids, because I figured, let's be honest, many of them won't remember all the facts and figures anyway. So I was just making up stuff and they, we had a brilliant time. Um, and so it's, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal place. The thing with castles is they are built to be impossible to invade. For you to get into the, into the inner ward was almost impossible. It's really a very, very powerful structure. And here's the reality. When it comes to a relationship with God, our culture has tried to invade, if you like, to get into the inner ward, if you want to use that language, in the presence of God in a number of different ways. They'll create all sorts of uh, different ideas to breach the walls breach the presence of God, to get have a relationship with God, because we have been wired and built to have a relationship with the divine. And what we do is we often sell ourselves short by looking to things in the world to try and meet and satisfy the need that we have that can only be met in Jesus, in God. And we'll create different ways of trying to breach these walls. Maybe if we run faster, say the right thing, do the right thing. Maybe if we can dig under it, whatever it takes to get into the presence of God. All of which fails. Because God, if you like, in this example, is in that castle. And the walls are impossible for us as humans to get close to God. But the beauty of the gospel is such where actually we do not have to get close to God. God made it in his plan that he would come to us, that he engaged with us. He came out of the castle walls, came into our lives in Jesus Christ, his son. So through him, the scripture says, Ephesians 2.18, through him, Jesus, we have access to the Father by one spirit. That's our anchoring scripture this morning. Through him, who? Jesus Christ. The only hope that we have of getting into the inner ward of the presence of God that we all know in our culture, even if you are a long way from God, we have a sense that there's something more and something better. The only hope that we have is through Jesus Christ. Or as the Westminster Confession puts it, some voluntary condensation, condensation, condescension, which means to go on God's part. I just single-handedly changed the Westminster Confession right there. So it be written down and said. Um, so in other words, the Westminster Confession says that God in his wisdom came to us. We cannot get to God. 
God chose to open the gate from the inside. That's what he did. He chose to do it. It was his choosing. God is not impenetrable. He is accessible through Jesus Christ. He is accessible through Jesus Christ. So let's just pause here for a second and talk about our culture. Just for a few seconds. This is important to note. People generally in our society have no problem in believing that the God of this Bible is loving and kind and generous and wonderful. They, they want to believe in that. Many people, regardless of what the media will say, actually do believe in the God of the Bible. They believe that there is a God. The same God in the Bible who actually put the Bible together says very clearly, if you want relationship with me, here's how it happens. Our culture tends to ignore that aspect and decides the God of the Bible, who they're believing in, didn't actually say those things. He said, look, as long as you're kind, as long as you're good, as long as you say, as long as you do, then God will accept you. He will allow you access into his presence. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you only get to God through Jesus. This is the founding truth of everything we believe as a Christian, everything we believe in Willow Park Church is this statement as we see in this scripture. You want access? Praise the Lord. So, you know, so do billions of people in this world. They, have, they want access into something that they know is beyond. How does that happen? The God of the Bible says, through Jesus Christ, by one spirit. That's the truth. That's the Bible truth, that's what we believe in, and that's the foundation of who we are, that it's through Jesus Christ. But that initial moment when you become a Christian, as Christians we call that conversion, that the old has gone, the old life, the old way of thinking, supernaturally is changed into a new life, a new way of thinking. It's called regeneration, literally a regenesis, a recreating of our spirit happens. And so many people, as I look out on this congregation of experience, you can say the moment, the day when that happened. You can describe the moments and the days beforehand where you could not escape him. And then you almost relented. He chased you down and you submitted yourself to the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ died on a cross, taking our sin, our shame, took the punishment that you and I truly deserve for the sins that we have, uh, we have committed. And it died with him. And as it died with him, when he rose again in newness of life, that is the truth of Christianity. The good news is, though, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. You see, we can have a personal, continual, personal encounter and relationship with this eternal and perfect God. It does not stop at conversion. But let's be really honest with ourselves. It ebbs and flows at best, our relationship, our connection, our encountering God. The, the, the kind of traditional word would be communion with God. That it's a connectivity that is deep. It ebbs and flows. Just like it does in any relationship. You need to work at a relationship in order for it to be enriching and beautiful and wonderful. Every marriage knows that. But this, this personal encounter with God should be continual. And how does this happen? How do we have this ongoing personal relationship with God? How do we have this vibrant relationship, daily encounter with God? Because at best, sometimes for some, maybe in my hearing, either online or in the room, it ebbs and flows. Maybe right now you, you, feel, you don't feel close to God. You don't feel like you have that daily encounter. You don't feel communion with Him, that you are distanced from Him. You know that you're in relationship with Him. You know that you have been converted. But that daily encounter with Him is something that's foreign to you in this moment. For some, the embers are barely alive. Now I believe, my theology is, once saved, always saved. I don't believe you can be unregenerated. I don't find that in the scripture. That's my personal theology. But it can get very, very, very cool. You can go a long way from God. And maybe that's your experience. 
And so today's message is all about how do you have that vibrant personal encounter relationship with God. And the scripture makes it really clear how it happens. It is primarily through our daily devotion to seeking him out. We would call it prayer. We would call it uh, silence and solitude and reading his scriptures. That prayer time is so powerful. And it involves every aspect, every person uh, of the Trinity. The highest calling that we have, the highest calling we have as a Christian is to have a personal encounter through prayer to the Father. Look what this scripture says. We've already read this. For through him, the Son, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Every person of the Trinity is mentioned in that verse. If you want a personal encounter with the Father, it's through the Spirit by, sorry, through Jesus by the Spirit. And it's the highest calling we have. If you want to know why you woke up this morning, Christian friend, it's so that you can have a personal encounter through prayer in Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, that God has given us a calling called prayer that far, far eclipses anything else we do in life. What is God's will for you primarily on this planet is to glorify Him and that we might find joy through that, absolutely. It's to do His will, but how do you find out His will? It's through prayer. And prayer is the access into the inner ward on a daily basis. Because for some, it feels like the portcullis has come down. And it feels like God is behind those walls and you just can't get to him. You're saved, you're a Christian, but that daily encounter, it just doesn't feel real. How does it happen? It happens through prayer. For through him, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The challenge with prayer is, it's really hard. (laughs) Can we just be really honest and say, it's really, really hard. It's very difficult. It's difficult for a number of reasons. I could list a lot. I've just got four really quick reasons. First of all, we are praying to an invisible God. Now, you could say, well, you can see him in nature and everything else. And I completely agree. You you know me well enough that I believe that. But at the end of the day, it's not like Jesus is appearing in front of you and you are having that encounter with him. He's, He's an invisible God. And so it can feel unreal that you can go, well, what's the point? Maybe I'm just convincing myself that something is just not reality. And so it's prayer is difficult. Our lives are geared towards distractions. There's lots of distractions in our world that will draw us away from prayer. You know, it's just, well, I'll just have a quick check of Instagram or TikTok. And before you know, it's three days later and you haven't slept, you haven't eaten. And uh, and you're like, oh yeah, I meant to pray. Our lives are filled with distractions is another reason. We're played, another reason is maybe we're played with unworthiness. That as soon as you close your eyes or you get into a place where you want to pray, you want to enter that inner ward, you want to get close into the presence of God, as soon as you close your eyes, it's like there's a whisper that reminds you that actually you're not worthy. That you've tried to run at these walls before and you've just hit them really hard. And so that's where your mind anchors in, and that's all you can think about, and and you get caught in this trap of unworthiness. But then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, because we just don't have time anyway, do we? You know, time, that, that elusive amount of time that it takes in order to spend time with God just seems to be, and you know... I don't need to spend too long about this because I am guilty of this for sure, is that we convince ourselves we don't have time to pray and yet we have time for so many other things. We are getting an invite into the very presence of God. We're getting an invite to be able to be with the invisible, the ultimate, the most beautiful the one who has designed you to be in communion with him, the one who breathed eternity into place, that the universe has been created by his word, that we actually have that opportunity to come into his presence and have communion with him. What an honor, what a joy. But sometimes I just don't have time. Isn't it crazy? Just as I say it, it just seems so ridiculous. And yet we get caught. Prayer is hard. Why is it hard? 
Because we have an enemy that does everything he possibly can to keep us from praying. Why? Because he understands how powerful it is when a born-again, spirit-filled Christian puts time aside to commune with the Father through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, that things change, things are impacted, that cultures shift when we do that. So he will do everything he can to remind you of how unworthy you are, how little time you have, how glorious the distractions are. He will do everything he can to keep you away from that. But God does make a way by one Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. By one Spirit, we can actually have this communion realized, this presence, this power realized in the Spirit. Look what else Paul says in the same chapter, Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. So if you come to the Father not in the Spirit, you are actually going to feel like you're outside of the walls. If you come in your own method and in your own worthiness and your own thinking, you're just going to feel like you're running at those walls. But Paul, and all through the New Testament, there's this teaching that we come to him in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. It's even, it's even prophesied by the prophet Zechariah that his people would come with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We need to prioritize this personal encounter in the Spirit. You know, there was a story that broke uh, a few weeks ago. I'm sure you heard it. It was a revolutionary, scandalous story that was focused in on Canada. The world stopped, took a sharp breath, and focused upon our beautiful country for a few weeks. And I'm sure you followed it with avid interest. The butter is too hard scandal. Did you hear about this? I'm not even joking. You should Google this. That actually there was massive complaints from people, apparently not in this room, that our butter was too hard to spread. Gasp. It was a scandal. And even more worryingly, when people started to look into whether or not this was true, there was a public uh, release that said this, quote, No publicly available Canadian record of butter firmness has been kept over time, end quote. So how do you know that your butter is too hard? Sorry, we don't have records to show that. Scandal deepens. I know there's going to be a Netflix series on this one day. This for sure is going to happen. So the University of... I think I'm saying this right. And I know that I'll get yelled at really quickly if I'm not. Okay, because I'm the British guy who is Canadian. But here we go. The University of Guelph... (laughs) See, you see how loud you get when I say... Did I say it right? What's the, is their mascot like a toad? Guelph. Sounds like, sounds like something that you, you, the sound you make when you're trying to hold down a belch. Do you know what I mean? The, I can say that because I spent a lot of time in a town called Rill, R-H-Y-L. Sorry for those of you who live near, who near there because I know that they do listen. But I've always like, it's like, it's not... It's not a great. I'm sure University of Guelph, Guelph, is a great place. Okay. Is there any? I didn't ask this. Is there anybody from Guelph? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a beautiful place. I really am. It just made me laugh when I read the University of Guelph. They spent time. Let's move on. Let's, like Dave suggested, they spent time examining 17 brands of butter. And they have decided, you'll be glad to know, that palm oil is not the cause. And the end of this study, this was the findings. And I quote, this is a more complex question that only producers can answer, end quote. There endeth the scandal. The butter hardness scandal has not been answered. We just don't know why this great amount of butter that we were all trying to spread on our toast was too firm. Why on earth am I sharing this? For those of you who are preachers, you're going, okay, how is he going to get a point about being filled with the Spirit from this? My point is, is that we prioritize on the wrong things, don't we? Like this actually made national headlines, apparently, apart from we didn't read about it. 
that we focus on the things that literally have no effect, have no matter in our world that is desperate for truth and answer and love and care and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we have, Christian friends, is in our lives, literally by the Spirit, resident in our lives, is the answer to a broken and hurting and chaotic community called Kelowna. We look great, but we all know, well, most of us, we all know, though, that it's a mile wide and a millimeter thin. So as we focus and prioritize on everything else but spending time with the Father, getting to access to the Father through Jesus Christ by the Spirit, as we prioritize everything else other than that, then our world is still decaying and people are going to hell. And so surely we have a chance now to take a pause in the light of this new breath that feels like it's coming into our city, that we can actually dedicate ourselves to looking towards the Father and seeking communion with Him. Because you will know, we quote it, for those of you who've been around church a lot, we know that revival and renewal will only begin out there when it starts in here. That when I actually seek him out in a way that I am dedicated, not just for the sake of me and my family, but for the sake of the community that I live in. We live in a community desperate for the word of God, living and vibrant through the Christians that live in there. And yet we tend to prioritize everything. Hardness of butter? Really? My tax paying dollars? Maybe not. I don't know. Does it go to the University of Guelph? I don't know. But really, that's where we're at. So what does praying in the Spirit look like? So some people would say, well, it means speaking in tongues. That's not the context. Some people would say that it's it's more of a charismatic and Pentecostal activity. Again, that is not the context. Actually, if you look at the commentaries, you look at scholars, you look at one of my favorite, I listened to a beautiful sermon by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones called Praying in the Spirit. And he was really all about actually praying in the Spirit is all about being led and guided and inspired by the Holy Spirit in the moment when you are praying. It's when you just sense that there's a connectivity, a communion with the Father, the one who knitted you together in your mother's womb, that you have communion with the eternal, omnipresent, everywhere all at the same time, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, almighty, perfect, awesome Father can be yours in that moment. That moment can be yours. So the first thing that we need to recognize, what does praying in the Spirit look like? First of all, we need to know who it is that we are praying to. It says in Ephesians 6, 18, we've already read it, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The differentiation between prayer and supplication is very simple. Prayer is about worship and praise in this context. It's about praying to the Father with reverence and awe. It's about coming to him, recognizing just at this moment in heaven, there are 10,000 upon 10,000 angels surrounding the throne, crying out, holy, 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 that we have access to the Father. What a joy, what a privilege as a Christian. And do we hold that lightly? Because I feel like if we held it firmly, with reverence and awe as to the reality of the calling, the highest calling that we have been given, if we truly understood what it is and who it is that we have, that surely we would prioritize that on a daily basis. This is not a drive-by guilting to make you feel bad about not spending enough time with him. It's a clarion call that the Father of lights, he is light, he is holy, he is spirit, says, come, come into the inner ward. Let's commune together. That is the joy and the privilege that you have, Christian friend. That is the joy and the privilege you are invited to for those who have yet to come into relationship with him. That you come to the Father and our prayer should be one, first of all, of reverence and awe and praise. And we humble ourselves before him and before that truth. Secondly, we have access through Jesus and the cross. Praying in the Spirit is a recognition that we have access through Jesus and the cross. So as we come with reverence and fear, godly fear, not fear, but reverence. As we come with that reverence, that it causes us to silence before him 
We don't come flippantly. This is why, although it is good to pray when you're driving your car, do that. Do that. Prayer, prayer intermingled in your world is a wonderful thing. But there's also the importance where we sit quietly before him. And sometimes we just say silent because of who he is and what he has done and the invite he has extended. So I lovingly ask, when was the last time you sat in silence in reverence and awe where there was just no words? And it says in Romans that just our groanings is enough. That is a beautiful moment and it's an invite. That's praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is making Jesus central. The Holy Spirit always draws attention to Jesus. It's all about glorifying Jesus. So as we come to the Father in reverence and awe, we place our attention on Jesus and what he has done. The Son, fully God, fully man, coming to earth, comes out of the castle, if you will, comes into our world and allows us that access through the gospel, through the cross, and he invites us. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you still have saviors in your world that you are looking to, to bring you the hope and the joy and the peace, if you've never humbled yourself before him, prayed and asked for forgiveness for the sins that you have committed, if you've never come and the Bible says you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, recognizing what he has done for you on the cross, if you have never done that, friends, the most loving thing I can do, and some of you are our personal friends who may be even listening online, The most loving thing I can say to you is you are outside of the keep. And you will never be able to breach that wall. And only when you come in humility, recognizing the access comes through Jesus and the cross, that truly you will be praying in the Spirit. And truly you will be communing with God. And truly you will be saved from the sins that we all carry. And you will have a new nature and a new life. It is the greatest gift. And as a Christian, when we come and we quieten ourselves before him and we place our attention on our thanksgiving upon what Jesus has done on the cross, that is praying in the Spirit. Because the Spirit always points to Jesus. We make much of him. Because when he was hanging on the cross, he made much of us. For the joy that was set before him, Hebrews said, He endured the shame of the cross. What was the joy? It was you. It was you. You are the joy. The joy of fulfilling the will of the Father, absolutely. But what was the will of the Father? To extend the invitation to all those who believe can have eternal life. Praying in the Spirit is that we can be bold because of who we are in Him. This, friends, South community, mission community, I am grateful so many of you have come out tonight. Uh, Today even, just feels like tonight. It's been a long day already. I am so grateful that you have come out this morning. Can I tell you though, with surety, we are stepping into months of change. We are stepping into a battle, if you will. We are stepping into a time when we may lose this building. So what then? Now is the time we come with boldness and assurance and pray to the king. The king who has said, come, give me your requests. That's where the supplication can come in. The supplication is the request. We come with boldness. We come because we can be invited. There is assurance in knowing that the King of Kings, the Father, has said, come into my presence. And we can come and we can say, Abba, Father, and make our supplications. And we as a church are going to need to do that more and more. We must prioritize prayer. We must prioritize boldness. I love at the beginning of Acts when the church was just being birthed. There was all sorts of chaos happening around them. They were literally being taken away and imprisoned and murdered and persecuted. And what is it they're praying for? They're not praying that these things would go away. They're praying for boldness. They're praying for confidence. Give us boldness to face the day. They didn't ask for things to change because they recognized that their world was always going to shake. South community, our world is going to shake. And if it's not this building, then our community and world is going to continue to shake. 
And the only place that we're going to get surety and we're going to be unshaken is by praying in the Spirit through Jesus Christ, recognizing the Father has invited us to come. Abba, Father, he said. Papa, come as a child with confidence and surety. Those, we've, we've got a lot of babies appear over the last year. <laughs> that happens, apparently, I've been told, Luke. Um, so, no, no, I'm not, don't read anything into that. Not yet. But uh, I'm going to be a grandpa at some point in the future, is what I'm trying to say. Lots of babies, it's amazing, it's, it's wonderful. We love, love, <laughs> gosh, he's not even married yet, and I'm talking about, when are we going to have grandchildren? We've got so many young children coming into the, into the community, and it's great. But here's what I know about toddlers. They know what they want, and they know who to get it from. And they will come, and they will clamber, and they are unashamed, and they are persistent, and they are loud, and they're beautiful and cute, and all at the same time, and they tug it. I want, I want, can I, can I, can I, can I? And you're shaking them off, literally sometimes, you're just plagued by the requests. Those of you who got really little children, that's going to come. You're looking forward to it now. It's going to come. And it's exactly the same picture that the Father invites us to come into his presence. Abba, Father, Papa, that we can be persistent and bold in our asking. That is praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is not some rote, let's just squeeze in a sentence or two at the end of a devotion. It is not just like this formulaic thing that you've got into a habit to. It's putting time aside where you sit in the presence of the Father and you recognize who he is. You recognize what Jesus has done. And you recognize that he says, come, you have access and you can be bold. The Father is attentive and he's listening and he leans in. He does not lean away. He's not hidden in the back of the castle playing hide and seek. He's seeking us out as we seek him out. And there's communion to be had. And we can come and have this divine expectation that there's going to be answer to our prayers. This supplication that we must ask. I have been tremendously convicted this last 10 days as I've been reading the autobiography of George Muller. If you have not read that autobiography, it's like 99 cents on Kindle. I'll buy it for you. Read it. I don't know if you know who George Muller is, but in the 1800s, He was uh, a tremendously used, ordinary man of God. Felt called to the ministry and felt very called right at the beginning of that ministry never to ask anyone for a penny of support. And it's an amazing story. It's like reading his journal. And what you'll read is at one point he's pastoring a church of 400 in Bristol He has a missionary society that he is running, and he has several orphanages, all of which he is praying for by faith would be supported, and he never once asked for anything from anybody ever. In fact, to prove that, one time a lady came to him and said, Mr. Muller, do you need any money? He felt so constrained about his promise to God that even in that moment, he did desperately. We know because you can read it. He was down to his final pennies. Even though he desperately needed those few pennies, he had committed to never tell anybody of his needs. And he said, I trust God. He said, I trust God. And she said, well, yesterday God has told me to give you I think it was three pound, which was a large amount of money at that time. And he gave him his three pound. And even in the moment when he received it, he would never show the person this yes kind of thing. He would quietly say thank you and humbly go away. And then he would bring his praises to the Father. It is unbelievable what he had faith to do. And in starting his first orphanage, and Sarah and I were chatting about this yesterday because I've been so convicted by it. His first orphanages, you would think that he opened his first orphanage to help the children of Bristol who were orphans. That would be a natural thing to assume. In fact, as you read his autobiography, that is not the reason he started the orphanage. Reason number one that he started these orphanages in faith with nothing Reason number one is to show people, to glorify God, and to show them that God still answers the impossible prayers. That was his number one reason. Reason two, the uh, the orphans in Bristol would have their needs met. He was passionate about showing that God was still a God of the impossible. 
Do we really believe that if we pray together as a church, when we corporately come together, having communed in the Spirit with the Father in our own times, when we come together and we pray with laser focus on a situation, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, do we really believe that God will turn the heads and hearts of those outside of our community towards us? He can plant anything into the minds of anyone at any time. He can even do it retroactively. We can pray today and he's already answered it three weeks last Tuesday. Because he is omnipotent. He knows the beginning to end. Do we come with that expectancy? That is praying in the Spirit. We're almost pounding our, our, our places of prayer saying, Lord, you said. And that's the thing George Muller did all the time. There's lists of things. Father, if you don't answer this prayer, this is what's going to happen. Assurance, boldness, confidence. George Muller said this, faith does not operate in the realm of the, of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Can I tell you, I have no power to find a new place for us to stay, to rest, to be as a church. No power. He does though. He does. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's somewhere else. Maybe whatever it's going to be in his in his glory is going to be the best place for us. But we pray, we pray, we pray. Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. That is praying in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is not confined to certain places or certain postures or certain forms. It's not mechanical. It just bubbles out. It comes through and out and towards the Father at all times. Paul encourages them. So we praise at all times. We ask at all times. We come praying and believing in the Spirit through Jesus Christ to the Father. That is praying in the Spirit. I do not know what the next few months brings. What I do know is the Lord has answered my prayers this morning. He really has. Because I prayed this morning, I've been praying for weeks, that God would draw people back to the house. And Sarah had a beautiful word this morning. And he said, and I, I forgive, forgive me, Lord, Sarah, if I don't say it right. But basically, it was like we, when we've been watching this show called The Farming Life on Prime. Don't, eat, don't watch it while you're having dinner. That's all I'm going to say. It gets pretty graphic in the farming world. But there's these beautiful scenes of shepherds going to get their sheep what was it? What were the three things? Injured. And? I can't hear you. Oh, missing. So, as you call the, sh- the, shep- as you call the sheep, the shepherd analyzes and says, and looks to who is missing, who is thriving, and who is injured. That is the word of the Lord. We've called to the sheep. I'm sheep too, so don't be insulted. We call to the sheep. And we now go into this time of who is injured, who is thriving, who is missing. The Lord knows, but friends, we need to pray in the Spirit. Stick with your church, his church. Believe for wonderful things, amazing things. Read the autobiography of George Muller. And let me say this as I finish because we're going to do some worship and praise. Some practical advice. Number one, put your phones away. (laughs) Number two, this is how you get into the spirit. Number two, one of the best ways I find is meditating through scripture. And I just want to show you one line. This sums up all that praying in the spirit is about. That you have access to the Father, our Father, my Father, Abba Father. We can take a moment and think about the idea of God as your Father. Thankful to what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did to allow you that access. To spend a few minutes just sitting and meditating on the enormity of this truth. Praising him for the specific things that in his love he has given you. And praying that heaven would happen here. That in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a, a, a church I love that it says uh, in, I think it's in, um, in San Diego as it is in heaven. I like that. 
in Kelowna as it is in heaven. What a beautiful way to pray. But you can stick just with that one sentence and pray in the Spirit. And so here's what we want to do in the moments that we have left together. I'm going to invite the team back together to lead us in some worship and praise. And we're going to start focusing on who Jesus is, what Jesus has done by sharing communion together. And in small part, that is why it's called communion. It's this communion together, but it's also communion with the Father. And so what we're going to do in the worship time, and I'm going to pray in just a second, and we're going to say goodbye to those who are listening online. After we pray, we're going to share communion together. And it's going to be part of our worship time. Praying in the Spirit is worshiping and praising the Father for who He is and what He has done. And what He has done, friends, is He came out of the keep, came out of heaven, if you will, and came and lived a life that we are unable to live and died the death that every one of us is truly, justly deserving of dying. But Jesus, his body and his blood is represented here. Body broken, bloodshed. So that he said, come, come into the keep. Have you ever, have you ever truly believed that? Have you ever truly asked for forgiveness? you ever truly declared him as Lord in your life because it starts so beautifully simply and I want to pray for you and with you if you've never humbled yourself before Jesus and you don't know what it means to be a Christian I want to pray for you let's close our eyes as we do that some people watching some people in the room and you know that you're outside of the presence of God that you're outside that castle and you've tried a myriad different things to try and fix the shame to find fix the guilt to try and fix the sin to try and find peace. I want to encourage you to turn your attention upon Jesus. He said, come all those who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you peace. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have never Come into that saving relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. He is here and He is ready to create a Genesis moment in your life. The old gone, the new come. So I want to invite you to do something. I want to pray for you specifically. I won't call you out by name. But if that is you this morning, Maybe you're listening at home and this is you as well. I just want you to put your hand up in the air and say, Glenn, can you pray for me? Because I know I need Jesus in my life. If that is you, can you put your hand up now so I can pray for you? If you want to know him, thank you. Is there anyone else? You can put your hand down. I saw it. Thank you. Praise you, Jesus. anyone else before I pray for you? Father, thank you for these beautiful people who acknowledge, Lord, that they need you. They acknowledge, Lord, that they've tried and failed 
to find the peace and the forgiveness that they know that they need. So Lord, I pray for them now in the name of Jesus. That Lord, even as we are worshiping and praising you, that they would pray and ask for that forgiveness. Recognize that you are Lord. And that Lord, that you would change their whole life and eternity before they leave this place today. Thank you, Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And Lord, we just place our attention now on our worship and praise and communion together. Thank you, Lord, for your body broken, your blood shed. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, that we get access communion hallelujah hallelujah so I'm going to invite you to stand let's worship and praise together we're standing as a sign of our unity feel free to take of this anytime in your in the next couple of songs we're going to share together pray if you feel comfortable you can kneel hands lifted up However you feel, Lord, guiding you, let's enjoy this time together.